Welcome to After Hours at the Radio Book Club, which is a podcast edition of the Radio Book Club, a collaboration between KGNU and the Boulder Bookstore. We're here live at the bookstore with author Shelley Reed, and we have been talking about her first novel, her book, Go as a River. And we're delighted now to have some questions from the audience. So I'm going to get the ball rolling. And uh, you talked actually in the broadcast interview about how much you love Tori and, and loving your characters. Well, what was the process of creating and getting to know them so well in order to tell their story so effectively? Yeah, okay. Well, in order to answer that question, I will have to talk about how long it took me to write this book. <laughs> um, I One of the ways in which I've gotten to know my characters, especially Victoria, so well, is that I lived with her for a lot of years. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that me writing my debut novel at age 57, where I wrote it for a long time, but publishing my debut novel at age 57, um, I actually love to talk about that because I would love to inspire or encourage um, other authors out there, especially if, if you're a little older and you've always been called to a creative endeavor of any kind, um, but just because life gets in the way, certainly how it did for me. Um, I would I would love to encourage people to come back around to that. So um, I you know I set out to be a writer as a child. I always I was writing all the time short stories and poems and whatever. I um, was a student at the University of Denver in their creative writing and literature program, and I was also a journalism major, double major there. Went on to get a master's degree in my early 20s um, from the Temple University um, graduate program in creative writing. There was no question in my mind I was headed out to be a writer. But then um, also in my master's program, I was awarded a, a teaching fellowship to help me pay for school. And I realized then that I really loved teaching as well. And then 30 years, you know, I taught for uh, at Western Colorado University for 27 years. I was a mom, very dedicated to my students, very dedicated to my two children. And so, um, you know, I didn't write very much for many, many years. But once I started, understanding who Victoria was, started imagining her in my mind, her story became a story that I just had to tell. And it poked at me for a number of years. And because there are only so many hours in a day, as every working parent knows, um, that you, I just would jot down little bits here and there, here and there. And so what ended up happening is that I just thought about it a lot. I thought about the story. I thought about the characters. And it took me a really long time to dig into their complexities and to piece this novel together. And um, I think I, I'm actually incredibly grateful for the process. I wouldn't have had it any other way. I think the novel is richer for that process um, because Victoria grew as I grew through those years. But for me and the characters in this book, I honestly can say that they, that my process with them is not necessarily a process that that I recommend for all writers, because I'm not sure that everybody has 12 or 15 years to write a book. But um, because I was able to give myself that long trajectory, I was able to get them to know them and on every facet of their lives and every facet of their beings, and then pick and choose what served the story and put that in there for the, for the characters. So that's a little bit of a long answer to your question, but it's important to me to say all of that, not just in the context of the character, but in the context of, of, of really encouraging um, anybody who's called to the task of writing to really stick with it and, um, and get your book out into the world. 
Well, I just have a quick follow-up question of my own in relation to what you were just talking about in terms of, you know, when you spend so much time with the character, where do they go when you finish the book? Oh, yeah, that's Are a they great still question. living rent-free in your head? Oh, yeah, we're just right here. We can, can none of you see Victoria just sitting right here? I see her. Um, I'll just tell a quick funny story. Um, because we've all, my family, you know, for a long time, writing this book was just my own tiny little private endeavor. Um, and uh, then eventually my husband and kids knew about it. But... Um, but then over time, those who were closest to me, who, who read early uh, drafts and whatever, um, also came to know and love Victoria and for many years. And my mom, when some of this started happening with my book, um, the publication, and then I don't know if some of you know, it's actually being translated into 30 languages and published in 34 countries. And so it, it, the novel itself has, I mean, completely unanticipated, went way huger than I ever could have imagined. And my mom's comment was, I feel like we need to call Victoria and tell her. <laughs> and I was like, spot on. I felt the exact same way because she's become so alive for all of us. So even though this novel is done and I'm trying really hard to move on to writing a second one, um, Victoria will be with me and with my family, with us forever. She is as real to us as any other family member, honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got an audience question that kind of piggybacks on that. If you could have an experience with Tori or Wilson in our modern reality or set in their time, what would that be? Holy cow, what a fabulous question. Um, wow, well, clearly I would want to eat some peaches with Victoria. Um, uh, the, the, the way in which the narrative runs towards the end of the book um, once she resettles in Paonia. Um, we all know that the peaches in Paonia are amazing, but Nash peaches, Victoria Nash, Nash peaches, um, in my book at least, end up trumping all of them, better than all of them, right? So I would love to visit her farm. I would love to sit with her. If in the modern times she had this much more, this many more decades, the, the novel ends in 1971. So if she had this many more decades um, to evolve as a, as a person, I would love to just sit down and talk to her about the wisdom that she gained because I, I would see her as an incredibly wise woman who learned from all of her challenges and experience. So I think that that's probably the two things. You know, when that question that people get sometimes, if you can invite anybody living or dead to come to your table for dinner, who would that be? When I imagine Victoria sitting with me, that's actually what I would love to do. Share some peaches with her and ask her about her wisdom. Yeah, great question, wherever that came from. Okay, love another that. audience question. Tell us about your writing and publishing journey. What did oh. you learn and what advice would you give to aspiring authors? Oh, that's, you know, so I alluded to that a little bit. It's been a long journey, but one that I knew I was destined for since I was a child. Um, I don't think of my many years of being a professor as a detour to this path at all. I think lives can be multifaceted and I think everything has its season. Um, I I went through my season of, of being a teacher and I loved it and being a mom of young children and I loved it. It just didn't have a lot of space for creativity and I very much value this new moment that I'm in where I can explore my creative life. Um, so that has been quite a journey for my, for my, um, for my evolution as a writer. Um, but I taught creative writing at Western for many years, and so I've given a lot of advice. And I teach community creative writing courses sometimes at, in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Um, and I, I, I have a lot of advice for writers. Primarily, it's keep writing, 
right? The other one is believe in yourself. The other one is people say, are you a writer? Say yes. I, it's so funny how people cower from that, um, that label or that distinction. Uh, are you a writer? And I get, oh, well, you know, kind of, I don't know. I sort of dabble. And I'm like, no, no, you are. If you write, you're a writer. Believe in it. Love it. Um, I also really recommend that people read. Like, um, that's actually, for my undergraduates, it's my number one piece of advice, is read, read, read. Read as much as you can get your hands on. I think that when I, throughout my journey as a, as a, as a human, as an academic, and as a teacher, when I wasn't writing, I was always reading. And I know that a lot of those narratives and, and that sense of language, I read a lot of poetry. And I know that a sense of, of plot and of, of narrative, of setting, all of those things just kind of got in my bones because I'm such a big reader. Um, so I think those would be my main pieces of advice. And, and that everybody's journey is unique. There's no one way. There's no should. There's no timeline. Creativity has its own timeline. Um, and just believe in your writing. And, um, and I, I'm very grateful for my journey and the length of my journey. So this is, this is a question I have. Yeah. I'm from Philadelphia, and I saw that you went to Temple University for grad school. Yeah. And I wondered, how did somebody get from the Gunnison Valley in Colorado to Philadelphia? And what was that experience like for you? A little terrifying. <laughs> um, it's a wonderful question, because I think people wonder. You know, it's in my bio. I'm a fifth generation Coloradoan. It's deep in my bones. My great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents settled on the northeastern plains, actually dug a house into a hill and lived in a sod house near, near uh, Deer, Deer, some, Deer Trail, Colorado, and also in southeastern Colorado. So we, and my, my kids are sixth generation. We're deeply rooted in this place. How did I end up in Philadelphia? Um, two things. As I mentioned, I was a creative writing student at the University of Denver, and um, I was the editor of the literary, literary magazine and one of the editors of the newspaper, and I was just very immersed in, in the writing world at, at DU. And one of the things that we did was bring in visiting writers. And the amazing, remarkable poet Susan Stewart um, came to visit our campus. And I got to know her. And she sort of recruited me in a way. Um, she knew I wanted to go on to graduate school to an MFA or MA program in creative writing. And she um, was a professor at the time. She's at Yale now. But she was a professor at the time at Temple University. And um, made sure I had a nice fellowship, and she kind of encouraged me. But I will say that prior to that, I was only looking at schools on the East Coast, because as a deeply rooted Colorado kid, I knew I needed to go experience a big East Coast city, and what that would do to my awareness of the world and my writing. Um, so I kind of had my eye on going to the East Coast anyway. And then Temple just had, at the time, a fabulous creative writing faculty, just over the top. They were amazing. And I had a wonderful fellowship there that was going to allow me to teach. So um, it all came together. But I will say, I was there for two years. I lived in Crested Butte in the summers. I was in Philly for two years. I loved everything about what it gave me, but it was not the right fit for me. I handed in my master's thesis. I did not go to graduation. I jumped in the car and I drove west. <laughs> and I came back to Crested Butte um, because I was really ready, ready to go. As wonderful as it was, not the right place for me. Yeah. Well, I know you've got a lot of family here in the audience, so you probably guess who asked this question. But can you talk about the influence of your son Owen and daughter Avery and how it <laughs> impacted your book? Owen. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, my guess is my son Owen's friends have written this question. First of all, my children are amazing human beings, and I adore them. And so much of my life um, uh, for the last 25 years has been dedicated to my kids, um, but in the most joyful way. I, they're, they're, they're amazing humans, and they've enriched my life beyond measure. And I alluded earlier that a lot of kind of where this book started for me was digging in a little bit into what it means to be a woman in the world. And for me, that can be defined in many, many different ways. Um, but for me, um, being a mom to my kids has been an essential part of my experience. And so motherhood actually plays a role in the novel. I won't go into that too much. I don't want to spoil it too much. But, but motherhood, you know, we know right away that Victoria has lost her mother and what that experience then, um, how that comes to define her circumstances and her situation. And certainly the depth of experience for me of being a mom um, informed a lot of this book and a lot of Victoria's journey. So that. So I have a question about uh, one of the characters that we didn't talk about in the radio interview that comes in in the second half of the book, and that's the character of Zelda. Zelda. What inspired that character? And maybe you could talk a little bit about who Zelda is. Yeah, Zelda. You know, um, one of the things I didn't mention in the journey of writing this book is I wrote many many drafts. I am a major reviser, and I would, again, encourage writers to not shy away from that and to be really willing to, to ax things that you think are great, but they're just maybe not in perfect service of the story. It's a very difficult thing to do. But um, Stephen King has the quote, you know, his advice always is, kill your darlings, which just is advice to, um, to young writers that even though, don't be too precious about what you've written, even though you think it's just so fabulous, if that paragraph isn't meant to serve the story, it needs to go. And so I had actually a couple characters that in the different revisions that I've done um, had to go. They just weren't in service of Victoria's story. And so I had originally a character who played a similar role to Zelda in the novel. But as the evolution, as the revisions, as I started understanding the story more and more, I realized she couldn't stay. But I still needed somebody to come in and be a bit of a catalyst to Victoria at the end of the book. And whereas Victoria is someone who's rather naive to the world, and um, once we meet Zelda, it's actually into the the 1950s and then into the 60s and 70s. Zelda's very much, even though she's from the North Fork Valley, um, has lived this very rural existence. She's very much a modern woman. She also has pain and grief, but she doesn't carry any um, guilt or regret around that as a modern woman. And it's Victoria's first insight into that's actually a way you could be in the world. And Victoria has to make at that point in the book some really difficult decisions. And Zelda's sort of there, giving her a little bit of a, of a push that she really needs. And so Zelda came into this book and my very last revision. After working on this book for all that time, I wrote Zelda about a year and a half ago. <laughs> and, I, and when I hit on her, though, I knew that was just right. That was just the right person that Victoria needed. And I love her. She's wonderful. And I'm so glad she's there, because she wasn't <laughs> there previously. <laughs> yeah. But I think as a writer, sometimes you know just right, like when it's not quite right, and when you hit it, right? And, and Zelda was just what I needed at that, at that moment. 
Well, I don't have more audience questions. I do have lots of other questions, but do you have audience ones? No, but my, you know, what's the writing journey, but we've covered that, and your love for Tori, so we've covered that. Sure, yeah. A lot of people want to know the same things, but Maeve, what, what, give us a question you have, Maeve. Well, I want you to talk about Gunnison, and you yeah. said you're fifth generation, your kids now are sixth generation. We have a tendency, and certainly here in the Front Range, to say the western slope and sort of <laughs> look true. at western colorado anything west of the front range as sort of a monolith yeah that's true gunnison is very specific <laughs> yeah. you know geographically you know climate wise we've talked about you know the gunnison river and the blue mesa dam and everything but i want you to talk a little bit about that because you're fifth generation mm -hmm. there's been a lot of voices from gunnison maybe getting into the news now because there's uh, the conversation about wolf reintroduction yeah. and i've certainly heard voices from gunnison ranchers who talk about being multi-generational you know attached to the land and yeah. um, i'd love your insight into that what do people need to know about gunnison what what are some of the misconceptions and, and you know who are the people who live there yeah great um well, Gunnison County is huge, first of all. And so even though I like how you, how you pointed out that we tend to talk about the Western Slope as if it's like one thing. The Western Slope is full of variety, full of all sorts of different kinds of landscapes, lots of different kinds of people. Um, Gunnison County itself is also similar. It's, a, it's huge. It's the size of the state of Rhode Island. Delaware, size of the state of Delaware. And the other amazing thing that a lot of us in this audience love about Gunnison County is that it's 90% public lands. It's BLM land, it's national forest land, it's vast wilderness areas, and so just endless wild landscapes that um, really define life in the valley. And um, so that's that's the first thing that I would say about the Gunnison Valley. Um, the second thing is you mentioned the ranchers, generational ranchers and farmers in the valley um, who are so proud, uh, so connected with the land, so proud of their way of life, but very humble, very humble, very stoic. I brought a lot of that in with Victoria's character and the people in the ranching community that I created here in Iola, of people who just get up every day and just do what needs to be done. It is not unusual at all for it to be 20, 30 degrees below zero in Gunnison County and see those ranchers out there on their horseback feeding feeding the cattle. Just tough people. Um, I come from very similar people. My ancestry is on the northeastern plains of Colorado, the southeastern plains of Colorado. My grandfather was an amazing storyteller and I was lucky enough to grow up um, just down the street from, from them and uh, hear my grandpa stories of farming and ranching generation, generationally. Um, I heard his stories my entire life. He also, when his memory started to fade, we got him a typewriter and he typed out a lot of those stories. And so we have this really valuable document in my family. And I referred to that over and over again when I was writing this book. So I know that kind of person and um, I value them so deeply. And the way that I would describe a lot of the people in the, in the Gunnison County is just grit. Like deep, deep grit, deep, deep, just deep, strong, interesting people. Um, and so I, I think that's probably what I would want people to know the most about the ranching community particularly. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, when I, I speak about how um, there's been a lot of international interest in my book. Um, one of the things people want to know most is exactly that question. They, they're kind of fascinated by life in the Gunnison Valley, where we can get 400 inches of snow. I mean, you wouldn't believe our yard right now. You know, just, just the tunnel of snow we have to walk in. 
400 or more inches of snow, wild landscapes, ranchers, farmers. It's a different kind of life um, that I love and value so much. And um, it's been a real joy to be able to introduce that, that landscape and that way of life um, to a wide audience through this book. Well, it's been a joy to read about it. And uh, the book is Go as a River. It's by Shelley Reed, who has been our guest here at the Radio Book Club. This is After Hours at the Radio Book Club, which is a podcast collaboration between KGNU and the Boulder Bookstore. I'm Maeve Conran with KGNU. As always, my co-host, Arsene Kashkashian of the Boulder Bookstore. Thanks, Arsene. Thank you, Maeve.